Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25, part 1. 10.19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he, Christ, hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God. Let us, 22, let us, 23, let us, 24, see it? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some in but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. Father, it is a blessing to end the reading of this passage with a reference to the day, the coming day, the day of Christ, the day of honor, the day when the Savior comes, not as the Lamb to be slain, but the Lion of the tribe of Judah, when he comes in power and great glory. And we do know in our souls, as we read it in our Bibles, that that day is nearer than it's ever been. We long for that day. We long for the Lord Jesus to be recognized as he ought to be recognized, to be worshipped as he ought to be worshipped, to be to be glorified as he ought to be glorified. And in the meantime, we will get to next week, Lord willing, the logic of the day coming in light of this day and that there's a particular pattern, a routine, a regularity of gathering that should take place on this earth and local churches just like this one to honor Christ on a day in light of the day that is soon to come. Help us as we think upon Christ in some ways that are a little off the, the beaten path. As we think about Christ in some ways in which we see it in the scriptures that is just a little bit different from the usual. And may our souls be uniquely prepared for next Lord's Day and the obvious threefold exhortation that comes to saints as a result of the accomplishments of Christ. Bless us then as we prepare, even for next week, this week, for we ask in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake.
Amen. Hebrews 10, as you know, opens with the heavenly news of a divine conspiring. The one conspiracy that we all ought to believe in. The conspiracy of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that has resulted in the redemption of sinful humanity and the revealing of the good news in Jesus Christ to mankind. The will of the Father and the willing work of God the Son along with the word of the Spirit ensures us of a no-so salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we come at verse 19 to the word, therefore. Having therefore. This utility word alerts us to the fact that upon the grand truth of Christ, already covered, there is to be an additional application and appeal. Indeed, the grand truth of Christ is summarized in verses 12 to 14 previously, result in a threefold appeal and invitation, as indicated by the words, let us, verse 22, let us, verse 23, let us, verse 24. And as we've already indicated, we'll return to those let us things next week, those practical exhortations next week as are launched upon the truth of Christ as stated in verses 12 to 14. But this morning, I want us to take note of the particular singular point of emphasis here as is seen in verse 19 and 20. Really, 19, 20, and 21. Because of the sacrifice and service of our Lord Jesus, the believer is right now able or enable, enabled to, quote, enter into the holiest. See it? Verse 19. Enter into the Holies. Now, you know that we're not talking about entry into that Old Testament earthly tent or temple, uh, the Holy of Holies, but we're talking about entry into the heavenly inner sanctum of God's presence. No Old Testament believer would have ever imagined entry into the Holy of Holies. No Old Testament believer would have ever even thought that he or she could go into the tabernacle in that holy of holy place or in the temple governed by the law and handed down by at Sinai. Only the high priest entered that sanctum and that but once a year. A room used only once a year seems a terrible waste of a room. Why, in our day somebody would be putting it on verbo, V-R-B-O, Try to rent that thing out or something. But you wouldn't want to enter there because if you did get in, you'd never get out. <laughs> that Holy of Holies was a place uniquely manifesting, symbolically, the presence of God on earth under the law. Nobody would dare go into that room. The Old Testament way unto God could not bring 
common man, even into God's ceremonial presence. I really do like the way that John MacArthur uh, uh, says that. He says that uh, uh, the Old Testament way could not even bring the common man into God's symbolic and ceremonial presence, much less God's real presence. But you and I, because of the blood of Jesus, verse 19, you and I are giving opportunity right into the very presence of God. The family of God under the new covenant, as indicated by the word brethren in the text, boldly enter into God's actual presence by the perfect accomplishment of the blood of Jesus. First Advent believers have in Christ perpetual confidence and perpetual access. Coram Deo is the Latin phrase, which means before the uh, face of God. Long time ago, in my public prayers, I began to say my prayers ending in Jesus' name and for his sake. And when I came here in 2011, that was new for some of you. You'd never heard that for, your, for his sake part added to the end of prayer. And you uh, called it to my attention. They said, you always say that? And I said, yeah, I basically always do. I guess I don't have to say it, but I like to say it. And so I say it. And some of you associate that with me. Well, I had a guy that I grew up with uh, that every time he prayed, I mean every time he prayed, I mean every single time I ever heard Arnold pray, he always thanked the Lord at the beginning for audience. He would say, Father, thank you for this audience before thy throne. And I'll tell you, that left, a, that left an impression on a young boy's heart. Audience before the throne. It's impossible to be a pastor and not pay some attention as to who's here and who's not here or who's in the audience. But as we are often reminded at worship, you and I worship to an audience of one. And every time we pray, we pray in Jesus' name because we recognize we have audience before the very face of God. The Old Testament believer would have never thought that possible to enter into the very holy of holy place. Even the ceremonial and symbolic place behind the veil. Yet we by the blood of Jesus, enter into the very throne room of God. You'd think that we would want to pray. You'd think that we would run to come together to pray. The children of God can lift the heart, can lift the mind in prayer, and be absolutely confident of, confident of audience with God through the merit of Christ's redemptive work. We most usually recognize this when we pray in Jesus' name. Now the text, Hebrews 10, 19, 20, 21, 
goes on to speak of two Christologically related things. We are told of something Jesus did, verse 20. And we are told of something Jesus does, verse 21. It is upon this foundation of truth and divine action that the threefold appeal, let us, let us, let us, is raised. 21 and 25. Today, I want to camp on those two depictions of Christ, our Savior in 20 and 21, and then we'll pick up on the threefold exhortations that flow out of that presentation, uh, 22, 23, 24, next week, Lord willing. Now, the first thing that I would have us think about, based upon verse 20, is what Jesus did and the presentation of him in verse 20 as the ultimate trailblazer. I want you to think about Jesus the trailblazer. I can tell you, you can look at a lot of posters, a lot of writings. You won't find too many that have the name trailblazer on it in reference to Jesus Christ. But I'm arguing from the, the scripture of Hebrews 10.20 that indeed Jesus is the trailblazer. It says, verse 20, by a new and living way which he, Jesus Christ, consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. Those words, he hath consecrated for us. The Lord Jesus hath, past tense, initiated or consecrated or dedicated a way for us to enter God's actual special presence. The literal rendering of the compound word translated consecrated here means made new. Jesus has made new the way into the holy presence of God. That's why I like the term for Jesus, trailblazer here. Jesus made a new way unto God. By definition, a trailblazer is a person that makes a way for others to follow. The term trailblazer is associated with American history and the expansion to the West. Most all of our school-age children have had to learn something about the Lewis and Clark expedition. And some years ago, when the NBA expanded westward, uh, they placed a franchise in Portland near the place where the Lewis and Clark expedition ended. And they named that new NBA expansion team the Portland Trailblazers so that there would be some kind of a connection between the professional sport of basketball and American history. But the Lord Jesus is the ultimate trailblazer because he did not make a way through the plains or foothills or over the Rockies. He has made the way unto God. 
the way of entry into the very presence of the Almighty is further described in verse uh, 20 by four words, new, living, fail, flesh. Let me take them. New. We often tell you that there are two Greek words for new with different slants of meaning. But this morning I need to tell you that this word new is neither of those two words. There's a very rare word that is translated new. It by no means is one of the two usual words that are new, which means new in time or new in kind. Two words for new, one means new in time, one means new in kind, a new kind of a thing. Neither of those words are found here. The word here is a compound word that doesn't actually mean new at all. The word, the compound word, means just killed or freshly slain. The word new is a compound word that means freshly slain. This term underscores the truth that we are not talking about the old sacrifices of animals under the law, but the new, freshly slain sacrifice of Christ once and for all, as is wonderfully represented in this chapter, verses 12 to 14. New, very unusual word, literally means freshly slain. Yet the word living is found. Christ, who is freshly slain in these latter days for us, is nonetheless very alive. If the word new takes our minds to the cross, then this word living takes our minds to the truth of the resurrection. Christ died for our sins, and he is risen. Or, in the terms of verse 20, Christ is freshly slain and living. He is freshly slain and living. We'll take the words veil and flesh together because the Bible puts them together. And it puts them together because the Old Testament physical veil that separated the two parts of the tabernacle, the holy place from the holy of holies, under the law, is herein likened to the physical body or flesh of God the Son become man. You may well recall that when Jesus died, the veil in the Jerusalem temple was mysteriously ripped from top to bottom. His body had been broken at the cross so that the veil of separation between God and man might be eliminated. The veil flesh thing works out in thrilling connection and accomplishment, as is repeatedly stated in the New Testament epistles. And yet, because of the way that the New Testament epistles states it, it doesn't automatically take you back to that fact of the veil being ripped or to the fact that there's a connection between the veil that was ripped 
and the body of Christ, which was broken on the cross. But for instance, and don't turn to these passages, I'm just going to read them for you. Romans 5.2, write it down. Romans 5.2 says, By whom, the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This idea of access by faith into grace is directly connected to this thought of freshly slain and living. Directly connected to the idea of the veil into the Holy of Holies being ripped wide open so that man might boldly go where no man before would go at all. And that's the opening declaration of our text, that we are the people that boldly go where no people would have thought to go at all. Think of that. We are the people that boldly go where people of old would have never thought to go at all. What are we talking about? We're talking about going directly to God. We're talking about bowing the heart before God and having audience with God, exactly as I often heard Arnold pray. By whom the Lord Jesus Christ we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, wherein we are positioned, and as a result rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, Paul in Ephesians 2.18, write down that reference, Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him, Jesus Christ, we both, Jews and Gentiles, both Jews and Gentiles, for through him, Jesus Christ, we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access by one spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 2.18 is the perfect complement to John 14.6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Ephesians 2.18 says that through Jesus Christ, both Jews and Gentiles have access by one spirit unto the Father. And an experience last night, it was uh, uh, one of those experiences that you uh, uh, don't long for in the context of life, and There's really no way that you can really prepare for those experiences. But uh, after things got settled over at the house, I I ran to the drugstore to pick up the meds uh, for my mother-in-law. And the druggist said to me, "Uh, what's her birthday? And I said, what is her birth date? Hmm. I'd forgotten that everything in this world operates based upon the day you were born. And so I quickly said, March. It's March. It's March. As I'm pulling out my phone to call home. (laughs) It's March. It's March. And then as my brain is going, I'm starting to sweat. 
because I'm thinking, I drove all the way here, and I'm not going to be able to get this job done. And so I'm, I'm trying to call on the phone, and I'm talking to the druggist, and all of a sudden I remember that my grandson is born on Pi Day. That would be March 14th, and that my mother-in-law's birthday is the day before. 13, 13, give me a 13, March 13. And the guy smiled at me, and he said, March 13, that'll be good enough. I was relieved to have access, to have access, to have access. You ever gone to a a door boldly and grabbed a hold of it and gave it a yank and it's locked? (laughs) No access. Forgot my card at the home the other day and hold it up to the, the little gate, yanked on the no access. I know what it is to be turned away. Sometimes it's just mildly annoying. But I do know personally what it is to be turned away and have it be heartbreaking. And so do many of you. But just think of this. You and I will never, in Christ, be turned away from God. I always have access. You always have access by one spirit unto the Father because of what the Lord Jesus did. One more scripture, just to quote Ephesians 3.12. In whom, Christ Jesus, we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. Listen, I don't always feel bold. I don't always feel confident when I go to God in prayer. But I am bold and I am confident because I am in Christ. I don't come in my own name. I come in his blessed name. And for his blessed sake. I call upon the name of the Lord again and again and again. Listen, uh, Jesus is the trailblazer. And he has created the way unto God so that you and I have perpetual access and audience with God in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I find that kind of encouraging. Suck your shoelaces if you want to. I can't find that in me today because of the great thing that Jesus did for me and you. And the second thing here has to do with what Jesus does What Jesus does now is reflected in the term house ruler. And, says verse 21, having an high priest, we've heard a lot about that in Hebrew so far. Here's the new part. Over the house of God. The phrase is over the house. In Christ... We are told in complementary scriptures, in Christ is named 
the whole family of God. Ephesians 3 tells us that. And here our great high priest is said to be over the household of God. In the same way that an earthly husband and father is designated by God as the head of the home, so Christ is the head of the church or the head of God's home. He functions and serves right now, right this minute, as head over God's home. Christ has not just opened the way for us unto God, but he brings us with him into the very presence of God and ministers for us in heaven there. His death did much to save us, but his life does much to keep us. His death did much to save us, but his life does much to keep us. His death does much to save us, but his life does much to keep us. And we know ourselves as saved and kept by the almighty hand of God. When Jesus was speaking of that to his disciples, he said, My Father, which is greater than I, uh, has uh, his has you in his hands, and I have you in my hands. You and I, I call it double-clutch theology. You and I are in the hands of God. God the Father, God the Son has got his grip on me. It is never so important that I keep my grip on God as it is ever important that he keeps his grip on me. God does not let go. Oh, how you and I can rejoice in what God does. In Christ for us here and now. And so, next week, let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider one another. Hebrews 10, 22, 23, 24, next time. There are things that happen perpetually when you confront in your soul the grand truths of Scripture that you might not expect. I find myself chaffing a little bit uh, over the singing of a popular evangelical chorus. The chorus is, God will make a way. It is in our hymn book. Hymn book, we're not going to turn there this morning, but that little chorus, God will make a way uh, in our hymn book. Uh, It it seems to me to foster uh, a much lesser idea than the one that we have here in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, 19 to 21. Uh, People sing the little chorus, God will make a way. God will make a way. God will make a way. As if God is somehow committed to their agenda. Like God just delights like a genie. Rub them. All of a sudden, he'll make a way for you. You can do the impossible. You'll hear these corny football players that, uh, you know, that that, uh, play a game of men and uh, talk as if God somehow... Uh, uh, favored their pass or favored their reception or favored their run as if uh, somehow that's what grace does. It's just goofy. But people think goofy things today and most people believe goofy things today. So it's not unusual. 
And so sometimes I think when Christians sing, God will make a way, they're talking about their agenda. They're talking about the things they'd like to do. They're talking about the things they'd like to be. They're talking about the things they would like to have, that God would make a way. But God in Christ has made the way for me and you according to his agenda. And I really do thank God for that. God has made the way. And he not only is the trailblazer that made the way, but he is the house ruler over all who walk in the way. He is the ruler, the house ruler, the head over all who walk in the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. True. But he is the ruler, the head of the house, the house of God. And we are made to walk in his way. How we thank God for that. Let's pray. Father, what a beautiful thing to think upon the realities of what Christ has done for us and what Christ is doing for us. That which is complete, that which is perpetual, and we might add, based upon the surety of thy word, what Christ will do soon for us in the redemption of our own bodies. Oh, God, help us. Help us to walk in the way that's been blazed. Help us to walk in the path of the Savior. Help us to live as he lived, to speak as he spoke, to do as he did. Thank you for the way of access, open unto us in Jesus Christ our Lord. And thank you, dear Father, for Christ the head over all thy family as ordained from eternity past. We pray that even in this day, you would continue to gather people unto your name. And we pray that we would be laborers together with thee. Thank you for the occasion of this morning. Take us from this place with a sense of rejoicing. Encourage each heart, we pray. In Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen.